0: Convicted and Convinced. A message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. What I'm going to do quickly is two, three minutes review part one that we preached on last week. We were asking questions. Number one was, at what time in earth's history is this group living, the 144,000? And we saw Very clearly last week, that the 144,000 is a group living at the coming of Christ. They are the ones who are alive to see Jesus coming in the clouds, and they're happy to see Him. Amen. How many groups are there when Christ returns? Two, Christ says, the sheep or the goats, wheat tares, saved, lost. The earth will sort of gauge itself into two groups. And One group we saw was asking the rocks to fall on them as they can't stand there with the glory of the Almighty God coming. But there was a group who could stand as they clung to Jesus and were happy to see Him coming. Amen. This group we saw was alive to see Christ return. We then also asked this question last week and then we'll move on to part two. Are these literal Jews or symbolic? Because John says of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And we saw again crystal clear that John did not have the literal Israelites in mind. He had the New Testament Israel or New Israel, those who are grafted in to Jesus. Amen. For the Bible says that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise Anybody can be a part of this group if they accepted Christ as their Savior. Hallelujah. It's not a, let me pick and choose here. If you are in Christ, the Bible says, Paul says that you are now Israel for those who are grafted in. You are now Israel, a Jew inwardly, not outwardly, amen. John did not have literal Israel in mind. This is new Israel, spiritual Israel, those believers in Jesus, and we went over all these just proofs One big one was, is that if you look at all the tribes there in Revelation chapter 7, John leaves out two of the original tribes, Dan and Ephraim. He doesn't have them there. He replaces it with Joseph and Levi, who were never officially tribes to begin with. Again, he did not have literal Israel in mind. Amen. All can be part of this group if you accept Christ as your Savior. Are you with me? Okay, that was a very, very quick review on that. If you need to listen to part one, go to our website or on YouTube, and you can listen to part one. Now we're in part two. Are now, we're going to answer two questions today. How many? And here's sort of the million dollar, oh, is this a literal or what? Symbolic number. Everybody wants to know about that. Well, let's see what the Bible says, amen? You don't care about my opinion, You want to know what the Bible says, not what I think, what the Bible says. Amen? Let's be honest with the Bible. Is this a literal number or is this a symbolic number? Let's go to the book of Revelation. Let's take a look. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, and I'm going to read our scripture reading. And what we're going to see here is that John, who wrote the book of Revelation, has an amazing, what they call a uh, literary technique. A special literary technique that he uses that we're going to see proves what he means here. And I don't want to let, well, let me just give it to you here. In chapter 7, verse 4. Say amen if you're there. What's the first three words? Okay, and I heard. What is it? And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And again, we know that that is not literal Israel, but New New Testament, New Israel. And I heard. What's the first three words? And I heard. Now look at verse 9. Okay, after he gives us the 12 tribes here, we'll look at that today a little more. Verse 9 says, after these things, I what? I looked. Okay. Now, we're going to see that what John is doing here is a literary technique that we're going to see he does on occasion to show us, listen carefully, to show us that the group that he hears and the group that he sees are the same. You should say amen to that. And I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Obviously, because we said that the Israel he's talking about is for everybody who accepts Christ. Amen. Therefore, now, I'm going to say it again. There is a literary technique. A what? Okay. So, we're then going to see why does he use this number? And then in part three, which will be in two weeks, we're going to look at the most important aspect, which is their characteristics. Okay, so here it is. He uses, there is a special literary technique that comes into play that suggests very loudly that the 144,000 is symbolic. Amen. Let me show it to you again. We just said what he hears and what he what? Sees are the same thing. I'm going to show you that from the Bible. According to this literary technique, what John, what's the word, hears in the vision, and what he subsequently sees is actually the same thing. What he sees is actually the explanation of what he heard before. I'm going to show it to you. What John hears and then sees are related to each other. You guys ready for this? In the same book of Revelation, I'm going to show you four, I believe, or five examples of this. So if John uses it in four different places in the book of Revelation, should it not hold, therefore, hold true for Revelation 7 as well? Yes or no? Yeah, why would he do it here, 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 but then do it different here? Couldn't. It would have to be the same thing. Are you with me? Revelation chapter one. Take a look at the technique here. Revelation chapter one. That what John hears and therefore sees are the same thing. Revelation chapter one. What John? What's the word? Starts with an H. Hears. What's the word? Here, yeah, you have to speak to me, friends. You have to speak to me. What he, thank you, and therefore what he sees are the same. Okay, here we go. Revelation chapter 1, look at verses 10 and 11. It says, Revelation chapter 1, 10 and 11 says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I, yeah, and what did he do? I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Saying, here's that loud voice that he heard as of a trumpet. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Now, if you have the red-lettered edition, who's speaking here directly? Christ is, okay? So again, he heard a voice as of a trumpet, and Christ is speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see right in the book, and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Again, John had the Christian church in mind. Amen. The to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamus to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to, and then to Laodicea. Look at verse 12. Then I turned to... Woo! Here we go. I heard a voice as of a trumpet, and he heard Christ speaking. Yes or no? And now he turns to see what he just... Let's take a look. Verse... 12, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. Look at that. He heard the voice as of a trumpet, but when he turned to see, he didn't see a literal trumpet, he saw Christ there in the midst of the heavenly sanctuary but here's the thing is not the voice as of a trumpet the same as Christ speaking yes or no it is what he hears voice of a trumpet Christ speaks and when he turns he doesn't see a literal trumpet but he sees him who has the voice as of a trumpet are you with me so far they're the same Another example, same book, go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5, this is a literary technique that John uses throughout all the book of Revelation that will show us that this number is symbolic. Yes, amen. Revelation 5, we're in verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, So if somebody is talking to him, he's about to do what? He's about to hear. Yes or no? Okay. And one of the elders said to me, so he's about to hear something. What is he about to do? He's about to hear something, and let's see what he hears. Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Are you with me? That's what he heard. Look at verse 6. And I... And I looked. Do you see it again? Yes or no? And let's see what he sees. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elder stood a lamb, capital L, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Let me ask you a question. He Is what he heard in regards to The lion of the tribe of Judah, the same thing as the lamb that was slain, yes or no? Yeah, the lion of the tribe of Judah is the lamb that was slain. Can you say amen? So he hears, don't worry John, he hears, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. He then went to see what he heard, and he didn't see a lion, he saw a lamb, but listen carefully, the lamb is the lion. Another example. Go to Revelation chapter 17. One more here. I think you're getting it. One more example. It's all over the book of Revelation. It's a literary technique that what he hears and therefore when he looks to see what he saw or what he heard is exactly the same thing. Revelation 17, verse 1 and 2. If you're with us at prayer meeting, we're going to study this 17 chapter in more detail. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying to me again if he's being talked to he's about to what? Here come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. He hears this are you with me? Go now to verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw. Is this sort of repetitious? Are you with me, right? I hear. And then I go to look, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And he goes on to describe this woman. It's a, a pro, this, is a, this is, of course, symbolism here. A woman in the Bible represents a church. Verse 4, so he was, she was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Let me break it to you. What he heard was, let me show you the great harlot who sits on many waters. And guess what? The harlot who sits on many waters is this woman on a scarlet beast who commits fornication with the kings of the earth. Can you say amen? It's the same thing over and over and over again. John uses the same literary technique, amen, that what he hears and then goes to see is the same thing. Now, are you guys sitting down? Go back to Revelation 7. We have to be honest with the Bible. If John uses this every single time, therefore here it must mean this. Can you say amen? That's being true to the Bible, not what I want it to do, what I must be honest with it, what it's doing. Amen. Revelation 7, verse 4. What's the first three words? <laughs> <laughs> and I what? And I heard. And I heard the number of those that were sealed, the 144,000 of all tribes of children of Israel were sealed. And then he begins to list all the tribes that he heard. Verse 9, after these things, I looked, and behold, there was a great number of people, which no one could number, standing before God in his throne. Amen. Do you see it? He did it in Revelation 1. He did it in Revelation chapter 5. He did it in Revelation chapter 17. He did it in Revelation chapter 20. We don't have time to go there. The same thing. It's all over Revelation. And therefore, when we come to Revelation chapter 7, he does it again. And every time, every time, what he hears and what he sees are the same. Do you see that for yourself? Yes or no? Therefore, this literary technique shows us that the 144,000 is a symbolic number. That means all are welcome. It's not like you're 143,000, 143, and now I'm 144,000, and it's cut off. Sorry for it. No, 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 no. God wants all to be saved. God wants all to be, God wants all to stand. Symbolic number. You with me? This is symbolic. Praise God. Go back to Revelation chapter 7. Take a look at this. So I'm going to read verse 9 again. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. Now don't forget, we said in part one that this group goes to the great time of tribulation. You guys remember that for those who are here? They are the group that passed through the great tribulation in earth's history when the mark of the beast is in play, and all that's happening there. Look at verse uh, 13. Are you there? Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of thee. There it is. They come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There they are. In part one we said they were alive to see Christ coming and they go to the great time of trouble in the very last days. And John says, who, who are these? And he says, these are the ones. These are the ones that came to the great tribulation. And guess what? It's not a literal number. It's symbolic. Hallelujah. You guys with me? Therefore, my friends, anybody can be part of this group. Here it is. Take a look at the screen. The 144,000 symbolic number are believers of who? Yeah, new Israel, grafted in, who cling to him. Who's him? And his word, living in the last days of earth's history, the time when the mark of the beast is legislated and they go through the great time of trouble, they are alive when Christ returns in the clouds and he delivers them. This is the group. Now our last question here of the day, because now you have to ask the question then, why does John use the number 144,000 made up of 12 12, 12,000s? And this here will blow your socks off if you got them. You with me so far? I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, but I'll preach if I get stirred up enough, okay? (laughs) If this number is symbolic, Why does John didn't use this number here, 144,000, but go back to Revelation chapter 7. Now, again, I mentioned this in part 1, but it bears repeating, that in verses 5 through 8, every tribe has the same number. What number is it? 12,000. Not one less, not one more. And if you add up all the 12,000, right, 12,000, 12,000, you add that up, you come to the number what? Yeah, so when you add up the 12, 12,000s, 12, you come up to 144,000. That's where he gets that number, okay? Now, again, glance at it carefully. The, wor- the wor- Every tribe has the same number. And what's that number again? Okay, now, please look at the screen. The 144,000 number is made up of adding all the numbers next to each tribe. John has 12 tribes of Israel, Israel listed, and each of them has the number 12,000 next to it. Okay. What is the significance of this? The church is built on the foundation of 12 apostles. New Jerusalem has 12 gates and 12 foundations, representing the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel, thus representing both Old and New Testament Israel. Thus, the 144 stands for the totality of Israel, in this context, context spiritual new Israel, those grafted into the root Jesus, or all of God's people living in the last days. The number 12 has the symbolism of totality. He here sees the totality of God's people in the very last days together. Are you with me? Now listen. This here is incredible. John puts the number 12,000 next to each tribe. Does he not? He does. By accident? No. He gets the number 12,000 by multiplying 12 times 1,000, and you get 12,000. You have to understand how he rendered it, okay? He gets the number 144,000 by adding all the 12,000s, right? Okay. And the 12,000 he gets is by 12 times 1,000, and he gets the number 12,000. Why is this important? Listen. When Old Testament Israel was at war, Its army was organized into military units of 1,000 from each tribe, equaling 12,000. Let me show you a verse. Numbers 31, 4 through 6. Look what what we see here. What's the the word here? Two. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel 1,000 from each tribe. What's the number? 12,000 armed for war when Moses sent them to war. What's John doing here? What's John doing? John has God's last day people in military order. Are they not going through a battle? incredible. Why would John put 12,000, 12,000, 12,000? What he's doing, if you're a good Bible student, is, again, when Israel went to war, they were militarily ordered as a total of 12,000. He's putting God's people in military order as we face the great last battle of Earth's history. Isn't that incredible? That's why, I chose the, 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 that's why I chose our closing song to be Onward, Christian Soldiers. <laughs> Here it is. The sealed 144,000 is made up of 144 military units, 12 from each tribe signifying a totality of Israel with her 12 tribes. It is so appropriate that John uses battle imagery to describe the last day people living when Christ comes, about to pass through the great tribulation, the great battle of Armageddon, the great final battle right before the second coming. If everything is symbolic here, this is a spiritual battle, friends. Did you know that? What did Paul say? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. John says, "Put on the armor of." Civilians don't wear armor; soldiers do. And it's not a literal armor. I'm not here. The sword. Uh, the sword is the word of God, and the blessed, uh, breastplate of righteousness. It's a spiritual battle that we're all facing. Guess what? The enemy is out there, friends, but God is with us. Now look at this. Back in Revelation chapter 7, what tribe does he put first? You tell me. What tribe does he put first? What tribe? Now, in the original list, Reuben was always first because he was the oldest, but this is not, he's not thinking about the original. Why would he put Judah first? What tribe did the Messiah come from? What does he say? Who's the leader of this army? Woo! Jesus. Therefore, he puts Judah first because the Messiah, the line of the tribe of Judah, has conquered. And as God's people go through this great time of this battle, he puts them in military attire, and he says, "Guess what? There's nothing to fear." Christ is the head of this army. And the victory has been won. What John is doing here is incredible. You guys are with me? Go to Revelation 12 quickly, verse 17. 1217, Revelation 12, verse 17, quickly. Look at the wording here, Revelation 12, 17. Are you there? The Bible says, and the dragon, who's the dragon? Satan, find that in verse 9, was enraged with woman. Again, a woman represents the Bible. We are the bride of Christ. Of, uh, it represents the, the church. And when went to make, what's the word? What's the word? War with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Go to Revelation chapter 16. We're in a battle. Therefore, John puts them in military attire, in order. 12,000, 12,000, 12,000. For anybody who understood this number, they would say, oh, John is putting God's people in military order. Look at Revelation chapter 16. Look at verse 13. 16 verse 13, the Bible says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. Again, Wednesday nights, we're going to get all into this. For they are the spirits of demons performing but to go out to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come quickly as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to one place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And again, this is not a physical place, it's a spiritual warfare. Do you see the imagery, the language? When to make war in a battle? That's why John uses the numbers 12,000. You guys with me? All right, I got one more section. John portrays God's last day army during Earth's what? Final hour. Ephesians six, Paul speaks of armor, the armor of God. Civilians don't wear armor, but soldiers do. I mentioned that. This is a spiritual armor, therefore, a spiritual battle. Who is their co- general and commander? Who did we say? You can make it. You can make it. There's no casualties in this warfare. If you're in Jesus, there's no casualties. You might sleep for a little bit, but no worries. Christ is going to come to resurrect those who are asleep in Jesus. Can you say amen? There's no casualties here. Look at this. The sealed saints are portrayed as an organized army under the leadership of Jesus Christ. I have now put it in a sentence what John is doing in Numbers. Isn't that crazy? And the truth shall set you free. Amen. Amen. He is in control or a ruler of this army. Facing the last great battle of the world, why do you think the tribe of Judah is first in Revelation 7? The Messiah, Christ, came from that tribe. Now here's the thing, take a look. The 144,000 that John hears are the saints' pre-deliverance, ready to face the battle ahead. Don't miss it, right? When he hears the number, they're still on earth. Can you say amen? Christ hasn't come yet. They're in military battle. But look at this. And when John sees the same group that have found the victory are redeemed and in heaven, Revelation 7, 9, and I look right there with God, look at this. He no longer has to use military language to describe them. He just lets us know that they are a great multitude from every nation. Do you hear what I just put down there? Yes or no? In chapter 7, verse 4, before Christ comes, he puts them in military attire, but when he sees them again, now after Christ's coming in heaven, he doesn't have to use 144 anymore. They no longer need to be in military attire. Can you say amen? So he just says, they're just a great multitude which no one can number from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. All are welcome. Many will be in heaven. Amen. Raise your hand if you're with me. Is this making sense? God is good, amen? Do you know how much confusion is out in the world regarding this group? Today, you know. And in two weeks, I will get into the most important aspect, in my opinion, which is their characteristics. Next week, levy. After that, part three, okay? Come next week as well. All right, I'm going to finish with this part here. The Bible says that they are sealed with God's seal. Revelation 7, verse 4. Take a look. The Bible says, And I heard the number of those who were sealed. The 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So we have to ask the question what is God's seal? Guess where I'm going to go to find that answer? To Hollywood. I shouldn't trust Hollywood to tell me what the seal of God is? You sure? Okay. What about if I go to CNN? Is that the right, right source? What about Google? Google knows everything. Google? Facebook? TikTok? Let's take a look at what the Bible says. Last part here. What is God's seal? You guys ready? Well, we let the Bible tell us. Look at the screen. Isaiah 8.16 says, what's the first word in that verse? Seal the law among my disciples. Seal the law among my disciples. Now, what the Bible is saying that the seal of God is found in God's law. In the very law of God, the seal is found according to that verse. Now, this is important to know. Every seal, every seal has three essentials. How many? The seal of a lawgiver must show three things. His name, his official position or title or authority, and the extent of his dominion or territory. So every seal okay, has the author's name, title, and territory. For example, when you see the president speak, he will have this on the podium, right? Seal of the president of the United States of America. Now, this is not uh, a political statement. It's just a fact of life, okay? Who's the president today of the United States of America? Okay, Donald Trump. So when you say, and he's there speaking, what's his name? Donald Trump. What's his title? President. What's his territory? United States, right? Every seal, every seal, has the name, title, and territory. You with me? Okay, now. Therefore, let's go to God's law, because the Bible says, seal the law, seal, the seal of God, is found in the law of God. Now, within God's law, there has to be a place there, a commandment that has all three essential elements for there to be a seal. Yes? Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Let's take a look. The seal of God is found there in his very law. But let's see which law, which commandment has the essential elements of the seal to be found. Exodus chapter 20, second book of the Bible, chapter 20. Let's see who can beat me there. I won. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read the law of God. You should say amen. Okay. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Did you know that God first freed his people before he even gave them the law? He freed them from bondage, and he says, now you're free to honor me and, 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 and follow me. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Can you say amen to that? You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor ser- serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. God wants you all to himself. Amen. But Lord, I want to share you with, I want to share you with, um, you know, whatever, my car. God says, no, I want you all to myself. I want you all to myself. God visiting the iniquity of the fathers to, genera- uh, to the children, to the third and fourth generation, to those who hate me, verse 6, but showing mercy to thousands who do what? To those who love me and do what? Keep my commandments, verse 7. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold them guiltless who take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of who? Who? Of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And He rested on the seventh day. therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, honored, uh, made it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Can the parent say, "Amen? Would not the world be better off if they sort of read this and desired to follow these commandments? I mean, how better would the world be if the children were taught to honor their parents? Amen? Honor your father and your mother. So your days may be long upon the land that the Lord God has given you. You shall not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 17, you shall not cover your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor. And God wrote that on tablets of stone with his own finger. Now here's the question: Within God's very ten commandments, there was one that had the essential elements. It gave his name, it gave his title, and it gave his territory. Do you know where that was found? It was found in the fourth commandment. Take a look. 8 through 11. Take a look at it carefully. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Verse 11 is very clear and very essential. And in six days the who? That's his name. What does he do? made, that means he's creator, and what's his territory? The heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. There it is, in the very heart of God's commandments, we have all three essential elements there for a seal to be sealed. You have his name, the Lord, his title, made or creator, and his territory, heaven, earth, the sea, there it is. And you're going to say, oh, pastor, you're a pastor of a Seventh-day Adventist church? Of course you're going to say that. Hold on a second. Let me share with you this. This man is called Meredith G. Klein, a theologian and scholar. What did I put here? Wrote this about the Sabbath commandment. This man here is a scholar on covenants. On what? Covenants. And the Ten Commandments are a covenant, the Bible says, to the people. And this man, again, again, Meredith Klein, not a Seventh-day Adventist, just a theologian and scholar, just being honest with what he's studying from the Bible, look what he says. There is, moreover, the comparative evidence of extra-biblical treaties. In other words, that what we find in the Bible and treaties were all over the place in the days of the world, right? It's not the only place you find it in the Bible. Archaeologists have found many treaties and covenants. Are you with me? Covenants such as, here it is, and he quotes the Ten Commandments, very clear that the commandments are a covenant that God made with his people, has been shown to be, are found written in their entirety on one table, and indeed, like the Senech tables, on both its sides. Now, I then say this. Mr. Klein goes on to talk about covenants and how they were used in those days. Covenants were signed or sealed. He says that the Ten Commandments are a covenant, but where is the signed seal of the Ten Commandments? Now, I'm going to quote him again. Here we go. But the, the Sabbath is declared his sign of the covenant. And he's saying here that the word sign and seal are used interchangeably. They're the same thing. He continues. By means of the, what's the word? Sabbath, God's image bearer, as a pledge of covenant consecration images, images, the pattern of the divine act of creation, which proclaims God's absolute sovereignty over man. He continues. God has stamped on world history the sign of the Sabbath. What does he say? As his seal of ownership and authority. Because the Sabbath points to God as the creator of the heavens and the earth. Not an Avenist, just a theologian as he studies, says, yes, where's the seal found in God's covenantal Ten Commandments? It's found in the fourth, because you see all the elements there, his name, his title, and his territory. You guys with me? Yes or no? All right, as we begin to close, look at how the Bible affirms what he says. The Sabbath is considered God's seal and sign. In Romans it says he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness. I'm just showing you that in the Bible, sign and seal are used interchangeably, and Mr. Klein understood this. Ezekiel 20:20, hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a, but what's synonymous with a sign? Seal, same thing. And to be a sign or seal between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Go to the book of Exodus quickly as we're about to wrap it up here. Exodus chapter 31. Mr. Klein made it very clear, as the Bible, of course, brings out clearly, that God's sign and seal, those words are used interchangeably again, same thing, is found in the very heart of God's law. Exodus 31, are you there? Okay? About to close here. Verse 13 and 16, 13 and 16, the Bible says, Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the what? The Sabbath. Now, is there not a new Israel today? Yes or no? What What is the new covenant? God shall write his in the same covenant, same covenant. Hebrews says that the new covenant is the law now is in the heart, written in the heart, because actions proceed from the heart. God says, "I want to write my law in your heart." It's the same covenant, same seal there. Even to new Israel. I continue reading. S- um, where am I here? Okay, let me start. In what did I say? Thirteen, right? Okay, sorry. Look at verse thirteen. Thank you, Lord. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign. And what's the word used interchangeably there? Seal between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you or sets you apart. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone. What's the word there? What does everyone mean? That means Jew and non-Jew. If you came into the community of God's people, you there were to be honoring God and his covenantal promise. Can you say amen? Everybody. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to who? To God. It doesn't say holy to the Jews, holy to God. Amen. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall shall be put to death, very very hard there for them because God was trying to lead a rebellious people to honor Him. And sin is sin. But God is merciful to sinners. Can you say Amen? verse 16 Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout all their generations as a perpetual what's the word covenant there it is it is a sign or seal between me and the children of Israel for how long That's right new and old testament Israel for in 6 days the Lord made here it is the heavens and the earth and on the 7th day he rested <gasps> and was refreshed Can you say amen? So, guess what? My last few verses are on the screen. When you turn to Revelation chapter 14, guess what God's people are doing? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those. who keep the commandments of God and, praise the Lord, have the faith of Jesus. They are sealed. They have chosen. They have chosen to follow Jesus and allowed him to be, they, they are sealed. The seal is found in the fourth commandment. What did Jesus say in John Let me get there in a second. The seventh-day Sabbath is a perpetual covenant, a sign or seal between God and his people because it reminds us of our creator. The Sabbath is a commemoration of creation, and we worship God because he is our creator. The Sabbath is a sign of God's sovereignty and creative power. In the book Last-Day Events, the fourth commandment alone of all the ten contains the seal of the great lawgiver, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Isn't that what the Bible says? It is? Look at this, Isaiah 66. For as the new heavens and new earth, that's future tense, which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall all your descendants and your name remain. Look at this. And it shall come to pass, That from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to, in this verse alone, worship and Sabbath are connected. Christ says that I will create a new heavens, a new earth one day. Anyone long to be there? And he says that from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come and worship me. Last day events, just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads. It is not any seal or mark that can be seen, but a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be moved. It's a settling it, what, what's the frontal lobe here? What, what's, what's here? It's your it's the frontal lobe, right? The mind, your frontal lobe, is where you make your decisions. And God's people are settled. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And I don't care what the world is doing. I care what the Bible says. I don't care what the world is trying to lead me. I want to follow Jesus. And, And the Bible says that The seal of God is found in his law. The very heart of his law is the Sabbath there which commemorates God as creator and the seal there. And God's people are settled into the truth. they following Christ and and with all their heart, soul, and mind. Can you say amen? And they understand that keeping the law does not save you. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, amen. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. True observance of the Sabbath is the sign of loyalty to God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because as I told Miss Sandra today, true love, listen, true love always is connected with obedience. Yes or no? I always use the, the illustration, if I just tell my wife that I love her, But then every day I'm sneaking around with somebody else. Is that what love is? Is that true love? But I said it. But true love is not only saying it, but because I love my wife, I act on that and not sleep around. Amen. You cannot have true love without obedience. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you're gonna desire to, 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 to be part of my, uh, keep my covenant and, and follow me. Can you say amen to that? I mean, this is obvious. So what we see here in the last days then is God has a people who are completely sold out for Jesus. Who are they sold out to? Jesus. With time in earth's history they're living, they're living in the very last days of earth's history. Is this a literal number that's only for a, a select few or is it for everybody? It's for everybody. Whew. And their seal, well Lord, where's your seal found? I don't go to the internet or anywhere I go to the Bible, and the Bible says, and Mr. Klein affirms it, the seal of God is found in his very law. The heart of God's law is the Sabbath. And what are the characteristics of God's people in the last days here the who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus? They know that they're saved by faith, but yet because they love Jesus, they wanna keep his commandments. Can you say amen? They are sold out for Jesus. They are sold out for his word. They are sold out for God. And they say, I'm in this battle, but I'm going to cling to my Savior. He's my leader. He's the, uh, the, uh, from the tribe of Judah. He's the, the main guy here. And I cling to our commander, and we're going through this battle here. And no matter what Satan brings, they say, you know what? I can make it because Christ is leading the way. Do you think that Satan wants you to know the truth and keep the truth? He wants to deceive and lead astray. But that's why the truth will go to all the world. And people will begin to make choices. I see this. What do I do? God says, don't look to everybody, look to me. Look to my word. Follow me. Follow me. I want to seal you. Did this make sense today? I pray that you can choose to be sold out for Jesus and to rest assured that your commander and chief is Jesus Christ. We're in a battle, friends. It's not a battle over guns or me stronger than you. It's a battle over principalities. What will you choose to do? What will you choose to do? I tell the young people all the time, I'm going to finish, I promise. Young people all the time, listen. Young people want to be part of something great, right? Oh, I be, and they join gangs, and they join, oh, I want to be part of a group of something great. Listen, you want to be something great and incredible, be part of the army of Jesus. There's no greater thing to be part of. Young people, <laughs> you want to be part of something great? <laughs> Don't join a gang, join Jesus. be part of his last day army and be used by him to spread the gospel to the world and to lead people out of error into truth with love and compassion. Come, join Jesus all the way, all the way, all the way. So my appeal to you today is this, and at home too. Who here today we we'll to say either commit for the first time or recommit, and say, Lord, I want to be part of Your army. Anybody? Amen. 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 Anybody? Amen. Yeah. Okay. Don't be nervous about your neighbor. It's between you and God. Decision's yours to make. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9:30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website Universitypkwy.org or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.